Chapter 24, An Unexpected Friend Wait! Nick shouted. All five paramedics watched in disbelief as the fat woman tackled the folding doors, nearly knocking them off the hinges. The closet was empty. Mrs. Wax stared dumbfounded at the pile of dirty clothes for several seconds before Toadstool hopped out and trotted toward the bed. I was trying to keep him in there so I didn't hurt him when I sleepwalked, Nix finished lamely. It was clear no one in the room bought any of her sleepwalking garbage, but as there didn't seem to be any other obvious explanation, they packed up their equipment. When the paramedics finally stormed out, the bald man muttering something about an unearthly stench, Mrs. Wax started in on the lecture. Since she wasn't very clear exactly what her daughter had done wrong, she settled for the usual sermon about not being a slob and losing weight so she didn't have trouble breathing. She also held a 30-minute monologue about the possibility of Nick strapping herself to the bed to avoid any more sleepwalking incidents. Luckily, it was almost four in the morning, so Nick's only had to endure an hour or so before she excused herself to get ready for school. Not so luckily, Mrs. Wack was enjoying herself too much to go back to sleep. She followed Nix into the bathroom, talking through the shower curtain, and then trailed her around the house as Nix finished her morning chores, all the while repeating the same questions about how could anyone mix up dreams with reality, and how stupid someone had to be to call an ambulance and then fall back to sleep. Nix found Jordan waiting in the parking lot. The only thing that kept her from going right up and strangling him were his dark-rimmed, bloodshot eyes. Clearly, he'd gotten even less sleep than she had. I am so sorry, Jordan said when he saw her. You can hit me if you want. I wouldn't want to get suspended. But the next time you want to play a joke, don't involve the emergency response team, okay? The first bus pulled up, and Nix realized Jordan must have gotten a ride to school with his dad. Let's get out of sight, Nick said. I don't want to field a bunch of questions about Urban X house fire. Jordan easily kept up with her brisk walk. Nix, that was not a joke. Yeah, right. Like you were really concerned about my breathing? I was. Jordan stopped in front of her. I don't know what happened. It was like, I don't know. Well, obviously I'm fine. Why didn't you wake me up instead of calling the paramedics? I tried, Jordan said, the exhaustion leaving his eyes for a moment, for almost five straight minutes. What? Nix felt like someone had punched all the air out of her lungs. I wouldn't wake up? Sidewalks for walking, lovebirds. A pair of well-dressed senior boys brushed past her. Jordan looked ready to tackle them, but Nix grabbed him by the arm and dragged him behind the auditorium. Okay, Nix said. Tell me exactly what happened. Jordan sat on a concrete step and leaned against the utility door. I'm not really sure. It was like the scariest thing that's ever happened to me. Nick sat on the grass in front of Jordan and waited for him to find the words. Finally, he looked at her. First of all, it was stupid of me to lay down while I was waiting. I fell asleep. Until when? Three. So then what? Well, I got the notebook ready and tried to watch your eyes to see when they started bugging out under the lids so I could catch you in a dream. The first growl sounded, but neither of them moved. The problem was that you weren't moving at all. Not your eyes, not your chest, nothing. At first I thought you were in a really deep sleep, and I'd just have to wait. But then I felt your arm, and it was really cold. I listened for your breathing, but I couldn't hear anything. So I got pretty freaked out and started shaking you. I called your name. I pushed you up and down on the bed. I even slapped you. Hard. But you didn't move. Not even a twitch. So that's why my face hurt, Nick said in a raspy whisper. I couldn't find your pulse, but I might have been doing it wrong. I've never had to find someone's pulse before. Nick shook her head. What are you saying? You thought I was dead? 
I didn't know what to think. Another growl echoed across the campus. The sounds of students faded, leaving only the hum of the air conditioner on the roof of the auditorium. Are you sure you weren't half asleep imagining all this? I didn't imagine shaking the crap out of you for five minutes, Jordan said with a hurt expression. Okay, I'm sorry, but I mean, I'm alive now, right? Everything turned out okay. So you got a little worried and called 911. Big deal. I was crying, he said softly. Fortunately, Nix resisted the impulse to laugh long enough to see the seriousness in his eyes. Did he really care about her that much? Thanks, Nix said. I mean, for worrying about me. I thought about waking your mom up, but I didn't know she'd believe me. He stared at the trees beyond the back fence. And I thought by the time she tried for another five minutes to wake you, it might be too late. Where were you when I woke up? Nix asked, hoping it didn't sound like an accusation. I waited with you until I heard the ambulance, Jordan said. I thought I saw you move your leg, but I wasn't sure. Anyway, I barely made it out before the paramedics got there and woke your mom up. Boy, was she mad. Jordan grinned for the first time. I listened outside your window until I heard someone say you were awake. Then I heard your voice and I almost started crying again with relief. The last growl sounded. Crazy, Nick said. Tell me about it. I hated to leave you to work it out on your own, but I figured you'd get in more trouble if they knew I'd stayed over. Nix nodded. They should really get to class, but she needed time to digest all this. Jordan stretched. Do you think something's wrong with you? Nick scooted into the shade with Jordan. The paramedics didn't find anything. Maybe we should forget about trying to tell the future, though. Maybe, but I think you should keep a notebook by your bed. Nick stood. We'd better go to class before you get detention again. Oh yeah, I meant to thank you for that, Jordan said through a huge yawn. Since McGulkin took you out of class to accuse you of arson, he completely forgot about assigning my lunch detentions for the week. I'd steer clear of him all the same, Nick said as they ambled toward East Building. He's likely to remember as soon as he sees that mischievous grin. Mischievous? I think the phrase you're searching for is devilishly enigmatic. Nick had no idea what enigmatic meant. One day she'd get a dictionary and look up all the weird words he used. It's a wonder he got a D in English last year. Nix and Jordan arrived at Ms. Winkle's classroom only to find it empty. Nix checked the room next door, but it too was devoid of students. Jordan looked into a window across the hall. Where is everybody? You two lost, a voice called from the other end of the hall. Mrs. Finkbone strolled toward them. Nix hoped the art teacher hadn't come to drag her to another awkward counseling session. Of course we're not lost, Jordan said, but I seem to have misplaced my fellow students. Try the gym. Miss Finkbone said, her morose face sharply contrasting between her smiling kitten earrings. Apparently, that's where we're all supposed to be, one of McGuckin's so-called pep assemblies. Nick soon understood the teacher's lack of enthusiasm. The assembly turned out to be little more than two hours of McGuckin issuing threats and demands at the students and faculty alike. If anyone was seen littering, it would mean automatic in-school suspension. Gum chewers would be rewarded with lunch detention, and teachers that did not control their unruly students he made a point to look in Jordan's direction, would find themselves working at the local gas station. To his credit, McGuckin's lectures were quite a bit more articulate than Mrs. Wax, and thankfully he didn't repeat himself quite as often. But between the two of them, Nix would have preferred a sermon from Mrs. Wack. At least during her mother's tirades, you didn't have to sit perfectly still and pretend to be alert. Jordan fell asleep twice. Each time, Nix nudged him before McGuckin could notice and single him out. Jordan said thanks, but Nix could tell he would have preferred to be left sleeping. Most of the students had that glazed overlook in their eyes, as if they'd forgotten a time when they weren't sitting in the stuffy gym. The year before, the assemblies had been lame, but at least the student body presidency attempted to make them fun. The games were always good for a laugh, and occasionally they'd even throw candy. 
but McGuckin had disbanded the student council at the end of last year, stating that a high school didn't need student government any more than it needed vending machines, which were also removed a week later. And I'll be stopping by each classroom to make sure the teachers are enforcing the new disciplinary procedures. McGuckin dabbed at the sides of his mouth with a yellowed handkerchief. Anyone caught deviating from the prescribed policy will be sorry. He paused and brought his long arms up to the front of the podium like a praying mantis ready to pounce on its young. Now, in light of recent events, we have a special treat for the last half hour of our assembly. All students will be escorted directly to their lockers and will remain there under faculty supervision until I or Mr. Coons have personally inspected the contents of their locker for drugs. A moan erupted from the student body. Nix's head snapped up. Drug check? They hadn't had any of those last year. What recent events was he talking about? Nix didn't think it likely underclassmen would be in possession of anything stronger than Tylenol, but it was better than listening to McGuckin for another half hour. On the other hand, Nix wasn't excited about someone rummaging through her personal items. Was that even legal? Long after the students arrived at their lockers, a frail man with a wild salt-and-pepper beard shuffled out, dressed in a badly-fitting uniform. A patch on his right shoulder read security, but he would have looked more at home in a soup line. Quiet, please, Mr. Coon said. His voice came out like an airy whistle through his toothless mouth. Captain Creepy has entered the building, Jordan muttered under his breath. Nick smiled but didn't say anything since Mr. Coons was about to pass them. The man smelled of sweat and wood chips, like some elderly lumberjack. Nix couldn't tear her eyes away from his sunken face. It didn't take much imagination to see the shape of his skull in the hollow cheeks and deep eyes. He stretched his floppy lips into a smile. Morning. Nix quickly looked away, too flustered to answer his greeting. Mr. Coons began the locker search at the far end. Once Tiago's locker had been searched, he wandered over to talk with Jordan, and by default, Nix. What's up, canary boy? Jordan said. Canary boy? When did this start? Nix was going to have to keep up on the nicknames if she was going to be a proper third wheel. Tiago took a swig from a nearby water fountain. Jordan patted him on the back like Tiago was a baby who needed burping. So, you passed the locker check? I hope Loaf and Danny get busted for something. Think how nice school would be without them. For some reason, that made Nix uncomfortable. Would they really expel you for having drugs? Why, you worried? Jordan asked. Want us to create a diversion while you lose some stuff? Tiago laughed and wiped water from his mouth. Nix had to remind herself that she was happy just to be his friend and that it wouldn't do anybody any good to wish it was more. But man, it would be a lot easier if he just had one hair out of place or one tooth that wasn't perfectly white. Honestly, she didn't know how the girls at Cross High functioned with him in the same room. Female test scores would skyrocket if he ever moved. And then, like magic, Tiago stepped close enough for her to take in his unworldly scent. Nix, I needed to ask you, what day is auditions for that play thingy? The musical? Nix said, concentrating with all her might just to make her voice sound normal. Auditions are tomorrow during lunch. Tomorrow? Tiago and Jordan said together. I know, I don't have any idea what I'm going to sing either. I haven't even told Sarah about it yet, Tiago said. Maybe we should just forget it. No, Nick said, as firmly as she could while staring into Tiago's eyes. We have to try. Otherwise, Sarah will spend every day after school in her house, a sitting duck. Jordan cast an imploring look at Nick's. It's been almost a week. Pillowhead hasn't tried anything. That's because Sarah's been busy and surrounded by people. Nix was finding it harder to keep her voice down. As soon as she's done staying with her mom, that's all going to change. Besides, I thought you were going to do the musical so you could get out of being grounded. I'm starting to reconsider. 
Nix was preparing to give him a large piece of her mind when she spotted Sarah standing over by a nearby section of lockers. Nix grabbed Tiago by the waist and turned him toward Sarah. Go talk to her now. Tiago obediently strode toward the gorgeous, well-dressed blonde. It was physically painful for Nix to release her hold on him. She grabbed Jordan's shoulders so her hands wouldn't feel so empty. As for you, Mr. Frost, we're finding you a song tonight. I thought you have to beat the cats, Jordan said with a smirk. Catch, Matt. If I have to sneak into your room at midnight to give you singing lessons, I will. You're not going to bail on us. The students grew quiet. Mr. Coons jiggled his keys into a locker a few people down. Jordan examined Nix's face. Why are you so stressed? I'm not. You clench your jaw when you're particularly worried about something. What is it? Pretty much every aspect of my life is currently stressing me. I guess what I was just thinking about was having to pay the paramedic bill. My mom says it's my responsibility. And don't say you'll loan me money. You know I'll never be able to pay it back. Jordan shrugged. You don't have to pay it back. What would happen if you refused? Refused what? Refused to pay the bill or get another job or take care of the cats or let your mom tell you what to do? Are you sure that guy didn't joggle your brains loose when he kicked you in the face? My mom isn't the type to roll over and give up on her rebellious teenager. First of all, she's bigger than me and wouldn't hesitate to use force. Second, don't you remember what her idea of punishment is? Last time she donated all my stuff to the thrift store while I was at school. I came home to a bare room and had to wear the clothes on my back for a week. I remember that. One of the neighbors finally noticed and gave you some of her son's clothes. I don't see why your mom can't pay for the food herself if she cares about the cats so much. It's because you can't use food stamps to buy pet food. Nix felt her forehead prickle. She kept her eyes on Mr. Coons and hoped Jordan didn't notice her embarrassment. She was sure he suspected they were on welfare, but they'd never talked about it openly. That's lame. Jordan seemed to have noticed the delicacy of the topic and lost some of his former buoyancy. He opened his mouth and then hesitated. You know, you're already wanted for arson. Why don't you set the trailer on fire? That way, your mom would have to let the cats free to keep him from frying. Nick smiled. That might actually work, but even if she did manage to get all the cats out before the house burned down, I'm not sure it would be worth the whole sleeping in the streets begging for food thing. Oh, right, he said. You'll probably need your house. Nix couldn't tell if he was kidding or not, but it didn't matter because the toothless security guard was already opening Jordan's locker. Nix clamped her mouth shut and quickly moved over to her own locker. Probably not the best idea to publicly discuss more arson plans, however ridiculous they were. When Mr. Coons rummaged through Nix's locker, several bottles of baby food that she was supposed to have eaten for lunch during the week fell out onto the carpet. Two collided and shattered. The scent of creamed corn and meat paste filled the hall. Although the ordeal was massively embarrassing, it was nice not to have to clean it up on her own. Jordan helped, obviously, and Sarah and Tiago came over as well. Holly Parker actually made a stop at the bathroom and showed up with a handful of paper towels. One would have thought since Mr. Coons was the janitor-slash-security guard that he would have taken over the cleaning, but apparently the locker check was more important than removing shards of glass from the hallway. Once the floor space under Nix's locker was more or less back to normal, she thanked everyone heartily. Before Polly could leave, however, Nix pulled her aside and told her she should never be embarrassed for doing the right thing, and that Nix knew how hard it must have been to tell Ms. Winkle the truth about Jordan and Tiago. Polly gave Nix a why-are-you-bringing-this-up look, but she did smile slightly. On the walk to lunch, Jordan said, That took two hours longer than it was supposed to, and they didn't even check all the lockers. Nix wrinkled her nose. He didn't? Didn't you hear those kids saying he skipped a whole section? That's weird. Who's... 
hand clamped down on Nix's shoulder and she whirled to face her attacker. She nearly collapsed onto the sidewalk when she saw who it was. Mission accomplished, Tiago said, his delicate fingers still resting on her shoulder. She ached to grab his hand and press it to her cheek, but she fought the impulse with every brain cell that hadn't been completely overloaded by his appearance. At the same time, she tried not to turn in a way that might make him remove the hand. Sarah's going to audition? Nix asked. Well, she actually said she might, but I've got the whole lunch period to convince her. My brother, Leandro, is picking us up to go get a burger. Why don't you guys come? You'll know a lot more about the play thingy than I do. He took his hand off her shoulder, and Nix abruptly felt hollow. Yeah, we'll come, Jordan said immediately. Thanks, but I'll probably eat at the cafeteria, Nix said, vaguely wondering where all her internal organs had gone. I'm sure you two will be able to convince Sarah. Nix, Jordan began with a pained look. If this is about the month, I've got some homework to catch up on. She gave Jordan a stern look. There was no way she was going to accept a handout in front of Tiago and Sarah. Besides, she doubted Jordan had enough cash for both of them. She had never really loved being poor, but this was the first time she ached to have as much money as Sarah. Then she could treat all her friends to hamburgers and shakes every day, and no one would ever think of her as trailer trash again. Lunch was every bit as lonely and awkward as she'd expected. At one point, a boy at a nearby table complained about the cat pee smell. Before he could identify the source, Nix got up and dumped her half-eaten nachos in the garbage. Unable to find a secluded spot in the main grounds, Nix wandered along the fence behind the school, trying to think up a way to get rid of the cats before that afternoon. It was a sign of her desperation that Jordan's fire idea was starting to sound good. How big did a fire have to be to look threatening but still not burn down a house? She kept getting distracted by the music coming from inside the auditorium. After a moment, she realized the significance of what she was hearing. Someone was playing the piano and sounded pretty good. Maybe whoever it was would accompany her for the auditions tomorrow. Nix tried the rusty metal utility door that led to the backstage area. Locked. She jogged around the building's main entrance. The Performing Arts Building had been the latest addition to the high school, and it was the pride of the town. Even the community theater had performances there whenever possible. The ceiling seemed excessively high, and Nix had always wondered how any structure could possibly need so many lights. They hung from a maze of twisted bars stretching the full span of the ceiling. A large black piano sat just below the side of the stage, and in the dim light, Nix could make out the shape of a girl with stringy red hair. It couldn't be. When Nix got close, the girl looked up and fumbled with something on top of the piano. All doubt was erased when the girl slid on a pair of large sunglasses. Nix felt like going back outside, but remembered her goal to be a little more civil. Besides, after getting Nix fired, Beryl definitely owed her a favor. I didn't know you played the piano. Beryl shrugged and stuffed her music into a yellow patch-covered backpack. Oh, you don't have to go, Nix said. I'm actually looking for someone to help me with auditions. You sound good. Beryl stood and swung the bag over her shoulder. I'm sorry about telling Paco. I didn't know he would fire you. Nix's smile faltered. This whole week she'd been aching to tell Beryl the truth and make her feel stupid, but now she couldn't bear to do it. Even if Beryl believed her story about using her own money, it would only make the girl feel worse, and what would that accomplish? It certainly didn't seem like a very civil thing to do. Don't worry about it, Nick said. I hated that job anyway. Beryl offered an apologetic grimace and rested her bag on the piano. So what do you say? Nick asked. Can you play for me tomorrow at lunch? I'm actually going to play for Everin tomorrow, Beryl said with a little giggle. Mrs. Finkbone asked me to help out with the audition since she'll have to make notes and stuff. Did you want to practice your song? That's part of the problem. I don't have one yet. Well, I've got lots and lots and lots, she went on like this for some time, and lots of books. You can borrow one if you want, or a million, whatever. So the old barrel had returned. Nix wasn't sure this was a fortuitous turn of events. 
but at least the girl was willing to help. Looking through Beryl's music felt like Christmas morning. Most of Nix's favorite musicals were represented, and some of the music seemed simple enough for amateur singers to figure out. Beryl graciously agreed to meet Nix and her friends at the auditorium the following morning so they could practice their songs before school. Beryl even played through a few songs for Nix to help her decide. You have a really nice voice, Beryl said after Nix finished. Think of me, from Phantom of the Opera. You should do that one. Oh, thanks, Nix felt her forehead grow warm. I annoy my mom singing around the house. She doesn't seem to like it much. You'll be awesome tomorrow. So who's going to play for your audition? The growl sounded, and Beryl handed Nix the phantom book. I don't sing, but I do love to play. She banged her head on the keys like she was trying to pluck out a tune. Nix waited patiently until Beryl finally sat up, red-faced and grinning. It was amazing she hadn't broken her glasses. Well, thanks so much, Beryl. You're a lifesaver. Nix helped her gather the rest of her books into a bag. What do you have next, period? Maybe I can help you carry all these books. Beryl was certainly going to need help getting up at the dark steps with those sunglasses on. Beryl made a snapping, pointing, clapping gesture. I got this, girlfriend. Although, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea to stick together after what happened yesterday. She hopped off the piano bench and started up the steps. Did Loaf and Danny play keep away with your bag or something? Nix asked. They do that to a lot of the lower classmen. Beryl gave her a strange look, which coming from Beryl made it that much more offensive. Didn't you hear what happened last night? Nix stared up at her with a blank expression. Beryl put her hands to her mouth as if shocked. Someone got beat up in the school parking lot. They're in the hospital. Are you serious? This had better not be one of Beryl's not-so-funny jokes. Yeah, one of the teachers caught some kids dealing drugs or something. Beryl started up the stairs again. I thought everyone knew. That's why we had the locker checks. Nix felt sick. Who was it that got beat up? I don't know her name, Beryl said, but she teaches home ec.